This is the Aussie Vinyl Show, episode two. We'll give you a taste of the format of season one with Derek showing his influential songs from age 10, 20 and current. Aussie Vinyl Show, people, where we take our time to explore the diversity and magic of the Australian recording industry. Oh my God, here it is, finally, episode two, which is actually episode one, which is actually episode point five, because what's happening here is I've gone to the bar, had too much to drink and gone, I'm fucking sick of waiting to do this. So I've already got the format planned for season one and two and I'm doing it and I'm doing it right now. So what I'm going to do is interview myself, which could be tricky, but we'll see how it goes. Um, So the basic format goes a little bit like this. Hey, have a bit of a chat do a bit of uh, what's been going on lately and then uh, introduce a guest, have a bit of, do a bit of bio, of course. Um, I, uh, my name's Derek Myers and I have been done, a, been and done a few things over the years. Um, currently run a business called Scooter Labs, which is a vintage Vespa mechanic workshop. I have a podcasting studio called Castaway Studios in the same building in Easy Street, Collingwood, where that I rent out for um, uh, for corporate use and domestic podcasting use or any kind of use at all, really. And I produce a podcast. Uh, my favourite at the moment is Sean M. Whelan's More Than a Whelan podcast, which is poetry. He's a poet, one of Melbourne's best, and he does a poetry podcast, and I produce uh, produce that, um, and that's about it. I, this The planning for the Aussie Vinyl Show has been going for so damn long because you've got to, you know, I've got the studio, I'm a producer, so I've got to have my, um, I've got to have my product, you know, to, to showcase the stuff. But having said that, it's just something I really want to do. It started off as a, a podcast idea and then, of course, the, I had the desire to make it really good and, and have good guests sort of took over. So I've spent uh, quite a while doing one-minute Instagram videos from, that, from the hammock, you know, and doing little reviews of new new music, old music, you name it. I've gone an alphabet, I've gone through the A to Z of Australian music and had a bit of fun with that, build up a bit of a following on the Instagram and I guess that gives me some some way, a platform to say, hey, the podcast's ready uh, when that time comes. Uh, so that's, the, that's my background. Uh, I'm into this. I'm into that. I'm having a good time in here and I, I plan on doing a lot more of this stuff. But into the Aussie Vinyl Show. So the format is uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about my in this case my um, influential 
records. So I'm not really talking about what I was crazy, um, maybe not, maybe not crazy addicted to, like on high rotation. You know, I listened to. Uh, when I was a kid, I listened to ABBA Rock Me. Do you know that? Um, it wasn't like the rest of the ABBA stuff, which I was into. We got all the ABBA records when I was seven or eight years old or nine or whatever it was. Um, I even had a Herald Sun. Well, at the time it was just the Herald or maybe just the Sun. I can't remember. Uh, there was a free transfer that came with the paper and I remember transferring ABBA onto a with a free transfer onto a light blue skivvy and uh, I was really proud of that. And that was a my little Abba Skivvy. Uh, very cool, very tough little guy, I must say. So anyway, Rock Me I really enjoyed, High Rotation. I'm not saying it influenced me. But with hindsight, you can sort of look into it and go, oh, you know, it, it, rather than usual Abba stuff, it was the dude who sung it. Now, whether or not I was a bit of a sexist already, and I, but I was, well, I was deeply in love with um, the blonde uh, girl out of ABBA when I was eight years old, and and I quite liked the other one as well. But uh, Bjorn, the cool guy, I really liked that song. Uh, rock me, give me that bit now, roll me. It was a very simple kind of rock and roll song in the middle of it all. I quite enjoyed it. So high rotation that was, but not, I wouldn't consider influential. Influential I consider to be something that made you wake up to something or alter your behaviour, I guess, that in, its, in, its, in its primal meaning, it, to alter your, your being or behaviour to influence what you do. Um, and to me, to influ- the influences... I'm keeping them to influences on how I enjoyed or perceived or understood what music could do or be for me uh, at, at different times through my life. And the first one I'm going for uh, at, uh, we're talking around the age of 10, would be um, from the album Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, the song Jailbreak. Um the reason, the reason why that was massively influential to me was, I guess it was the f- apart from on the prowl, which was we listened to a lot as well from old fifty five. It was this story, and it, it wasn't just a funny story like on the prowl. It was that it was a plot, and it was it told the story, and it had no had a sh- unhappy beginning, unhappy middle, and a you know. A disastrous end. So it wasn't a positive story. It wasn't a love story. It was just this, you know, they just told this story. Put yourself in a position where you thought about, you know, someone not being able to cope, being in prison and and, uh, having a crack at breaking out. Anyway, I don't want to give away the end. Uh, I'm, I'm actually doing, I'm going to do this live rather than cut it all in. So this, um, there's a special mention got to go out right now to Leo and Leo works with, works with my wife and he kindly donated some very, very special records to the cause, knowing that I'm into the Aussie vinyl, um, came with a, um, 
I guess, a, what would you call it, a disclaimer saying they could be in rough condition, but I don't care. I'm not a record collector. I am a record buyer, right? And I love the records. And uh, if it's got someone's name scribbled across the front, to me, that's more history. All right? That, to me, that 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 puts that record in a time and place unlike the other even if they're super rare and there's only a, a thousand, there's still a thousand, but there's only one Dirty Deeds that says Kevin or whatever, whatever it says, <laughs> Nanette something something and Kevin on the front cover. So it, I like that. But the one thing we're risking is possibility of that it might be a bit scratched and rough, but but here we go. Let's have a bit of a listen. There was a friend of mine on murder And the judge's gavel fell Jory found him guilty Even 16 years in hell
was chasing was that look I admit it without rather than pretending it was all just influential because it taught me about storytelling it's also for a 10 year old explosions and blood and guts and shooting are a bit of an attraction and I I believe that was the first time explosives and fake blood was used in a video clip so there you go breakthrough moment um, that that Jailbreak video. This is the version from Dirty Deeds. I've also got a record called 74 Jailbreak. Um, I don't know if it's a, a different recording or whatever. I can't remember. But um, <clears throat> the guy who directed the guy who directed that video, his name is Paul Drain, and he also did that epic Long Way to the Top video, which is just amazing like it's stuck in all of our memories um i think he also did super noughts i like it both ways which is a ma- you know a major kind of uh, i guess third place influential song for when i was a kid going what the hell is this about that was crazy anyway he was active in all that kind of stuff and he's been doing uh rock quiz since it started pretty sure he's the he's the director of rock quiz one other thing, though, which is just coincidence, I, I guess. This guy, he uh, he did a show called The Prophecies of Nostradamus, right? And I was I was just telling someone just the other day that TV show at that the, what age would I have been then? Probably. Uh, 19, say 19, oh, must have been around 1980 or something like that. So I would have been uh, 14 years old. Absolutely shat my pants. It was the, it was so scary at a time when we were all just constantly being told there was going to be a nuclear war and the Russians were going to get us and it was all doomsday. Then this fucking show came on and that, that, that was like, 
oh, look at this. He planned, you know, he predicted. And it was so well done because, you know, good on you, Drain, because um, you, it worked. You scared the shit out of me as a 14-year-old. You know, the the going through how all the prophecies were coming true by saying, oh, the, the flying hogs or whatever, I can't remember. And it was then they showed pictures of pilots in gas masks or whatever. And they'd see, look, they look like pigs and they're flying. Stuff like that. <laughs> I can't remember. But I know that, that it kind of built up during the show to a point where it was, uh, you know, now the last prophecy is, prophecy is we're all going to get fucking blown to shit by a nuclear war. So anyway, Anya, what a legend. Uh, he did the video clip and that's probably, one would imagine the video clip was a big part of what influenced a 10-year-old as well as the song and the topic itself. So there you go. That's um, That was my 10-year-old one. Moving right along, we go, we go forward to, say, round 20, I guess, to me, I think generally it's 18 when you're out starting to go to gigs and stuff like that, you know, and you've made your decision not to, you know, you, not not to go and uh, save up your money and see Duran Duran when they visit or shit like that. To me, uh, the, the thing that just blew my mind was... I guess the the choice I don't know the choices of seeing early hunters and collectors play. We used to go along to Kuyong and all that and see uh, Midnight Oil play whenever possible. And uh, the hunters were this young band that were, would support them a bit. Uh, we saw them play at the venue ballroom, I think downstairs, and just things like that. And the the song, I guess, to us, the slab was amazing because, you know, getting a slab was a big part of our life. That was a sign of success if you could get a whole slab. Um, but apart from that, it was just the rawness, the, the raw energy of this dude who, you know, p- people are going, oh, that guy can't sing. And it's like, fuck, that is singing. He's just doing, he's just belting out whatever. And, and, and it wasn't just that. It was the fact that they had a French horn. You know, it's like, what the fuck? You know, this that, that was just punk in its raw. It was just so raw. It was awesome. Um, and I'm just going to put it on and see how we go. This is the slab, or it's also called Betty's Worry. I was looking to see some dreams rip from your fingers. Break your back with. 
That was Betty's Worry or The Slab. Now, that's on the record Jaws of Life, which 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 kind of lands right in my 18-year-old sort of HSC year. So, of course, when we, uh, we started driving, we would go and uh, track down the hunters and collectors wherever we could amongst, you know, as well as Paul Kelly and uh, Midnight Oil, who else, whoever else we could get a hold of. Um, but that 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 song out here naked in the street it's like what the fuck is he on about and then you usually when you're 18 you just you're not going to go google it there wasn't such a thing so you're just going oh, i don't know he's just 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 fucking upset isn't he really um the jaws of life record i don't know, i guess jaws of life is a I assume an iconic Australian invention where they uh, connected a power, like a pump, portable pump, uh, hydraulic power pack to these kind of wicked evil looking, there's a picture of it on the album cover, sort of cutting claw thing, like something from a a really early sci-fi. And they would use that to cut the cars open to get people out after car accidents. And that's what the jaws of life is. So... Um, the Hunters probably first m- amazed me with when I s- caught the video. I don't know when it was, maybe 82, so it probably would, would have been about 16, talking to a stranger where this kook was walking in the rain with a rubber, what appeared to be a rubber band around his nose and was just wandering around in the rain singing this uh, really sort of pulse. I don't know how you describe it. It's a 
do, 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 like really kind of, once again, this passionate song. Um, and it was just kooky. And add that to the trombone, trumpet, I think, and French horn. Just nuts to me. It just woke me up, influenced me to go, right, there's so much shit out there and it's not all about. I mean, I was already on my way to being obsessed with Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, And everything had that similar thing, like all people that probably would have got told, well, you're not really going to be a singer, are you? You know, and they all tended to land in the my favourites category, but uh, he, he, these guys are probably thought of as being more more commercial. Human Frailty, the next album, was absolutely mind blowing, hugely successful. Everybody loved it. Had some massive hits. Throw your arms around me for a start. Um, had some huge hits, and 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 good on them. Never ever. Uh, complain about your favourite, you know, punk, raw punk act selling heaps and heaps of records. You'd have to be an absolute prick to to wish that didn't happen to somebody. And then they had lots of success and good on them. Love it. Love them. So, yeah, the slab was a big one. We were out. It meant something to us and uh, it made us uh, realise there was more to punk than Sex Pistols, and there was more to music than pop. But there you have it. Um, so that's it. That's, that's, that's the sort of 20s. The difficult part now, of course, is picking something that sort of represents now because of because I'm <clears throat> not ageing, but, you know, there's a, long, there's a long gap between being 18 and being what I am now. I have a difficult task. There's a lot of music under the bridge, and I I reckon one song. I, I I do a bit of binge listening every now and again. If I hear something, I think Black Mountain. A couple of Black Mountain songs have had me uh, had me by the short and curlies for a while, and I just couldn't get enough. Um, and there's been a lot over the years, but as far as I reckon, as far as recent total addiction, like songs that are just like biting into a chocolate eclair or just when you just go, oh, my God, that's just the perfect uh, thing, you know. This is just ideal. And and I had that with a band called St. Jude and a song called St. Clair. I, I'm pretty sure I heard it on the radio Um We'll play the song first so I can get all the details for you while while I'm playing it. Um, but to me, number one, I suppose influential. Like how do you influence a 50-year-old? Well, you know, you show him that it's still going on. That's what you do. You show him that uh, that uh, it's there's still loads of magic out there and you show him that it's okay to just go – Oh, everybody, you have to listen to this. You know that that feeling? I don't know. I had it when I was young and I've probably had it a few times since where you just go, come and sit in the car and listen to this. And you just bliss out. Um, three, the fourth track on the second side of an album called St. Jude 3. 
going to be tricky to try and mix this in. It's got a trendy kind of a red, red vinyl. Goes for a while. I don't mind getting a cease and desist from uh, Alberts or or the hunters and collectors, but it would break my heart if these guys rang me and said, get that off. Um, but uh, it, this this just took me. And I think it was the, I, the longness. I found that recently I've gone for really long songs, really long songs, because they can just go on whatever journey they want to, indulgent. Anyway. Good luck with this. I hope you like it as much as me. Funnily enough, it is just like really important to me that you do, but there you go.
Oh, God, that's so... How could that not move you? Awesome. The build-up. I love the build-up. Big fan of that. This song, tragic story, it's not that tragic, first world tragic story. When I first heard that, don't know where it was, maybe the radio, let's say the radio, and didn't know that it was just new. Just just listened to it and went, fuck. It's like hearing, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> just, just something awesome for the first time, right, let's say. Um, and this assumption that it was an, a band from the past that did this magical thing and just started listening to it all the time, missed, get this, within a week they had the launch of it, I think at the Gasometer Hotel, missed it, just, just missed it by not even knowing that it was just so fresh. Anyway, spewing. Would have been nice to have been there, but there you go. It's with me now, still still with me. Love the song. The album, I'm pretty sure they're about to release an album called St. Jude 6. This is three. So let's just guess that there was, uh, I know there's two because I've got it in my box. Um, but let's guess that after three there was four and five. But uh, I've just been obsessed with that song and I'm loving I've been listening to the rest of the albums now and uh, cruising through. But uh, today's show is about obsessing over what one song can do to your psyche, even at this ripe old age of wisdom. Uh, just, yeah, just remind you how to be, how to be young and just, just, uh, just, as Frankenfurter would have said, give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Anyway, that was it. How those blokes, four blokes from Melbourne, uh, managed to pull off something that can move, you know, just move you like that, blows my mind. I'll say their names. Ryan McCarthy guitar, Brendan McMahon keys, Brooke Penrose guitar, and I'm pretty sure he's the artist from the social medias, the artist behind the album clubbers, which which are awesome, and you'll probably see one in the show pick. Sam Johnson, Johnston, drums, Steve Harris keys, and Mick. Oh, here we go. Style and no bass. And uh, well done, fellas. Congrats. Love it. Um, and that and that's it. That that that's the f- general format, I suppose. There's a po- there's a chance that the that in the future we won't actually. It'll just be yap when it, when things are a bit more interesting uh, vo- vocally, as in you know I've got guests telling us about their influential songs. There's a chance that there might be a snippet of those songs, or maybe none at all, depending on copyright stuff and things like that, and, you know, where this show goes and uh, distribution-wise. So let's enjoy it right now while we can, while we're loose cannons, uh, young and free, and uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to wrap this up and get back to my wife and family. All right, that was the Aussie Vinyl Show. And we covered Derek Myers's, that's me, influential songs from 
the age of around 10, the age of around 18 to 20, and the, and current age. I did a little bit of... Well, I did a little bit of experiment, I guess. I, I asked the, those three questions of some 25-year-old boys. And uh, funnily enough, the, the, I'd already, you know, looked at it in, internally and come up with my three and that all three of us had ACDC. And how's that? Now, obviously, for different reasons, I, you know, to me, jailbreak was, uh, you know, was uh, something for a 10-year-old, but then it was coming out right then. But these guys, they still said it. They said, when I was 10, I just wanted to listen to ACDC. And so there you go, a bit of coincidence. A um, little bit trickier for them because there's not much time between – at first I thought there was not much time between them being 18 and 25, but there, there is, isn't there? There's a, well, there's a lifetime. There's all of your adult life, and a lot can happen. Uh, so you've got that uh, coming out of um, school type influences and going in and finding your own way in the world. And uh, five years down the track, you could be, you know, easily sort of either focused in one area of what you like, or or the other way. It could you could be more focused at school because it's your identity and things like that, and then kind of spread out and go, oh, fuck it, no one sees me as the guy who likes Pink Floyd anymore. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm going to go see Vince Jones play jazz and do whatever. I'm just going to do whatever pleases me. Depends on the kind of person. So it's going to be very interesting to see the different uh, aged people and the differences between 18 and their current age. And uh, once again, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Vinyl Show podcast. Feedback is critical to us, especially given it provides us new show ideas and very interesting information we can use in future shows. Email us at aussievinylshow at gmail.com or any of the social media. Tag Aussie Vinyl Show. See you next time.